And welcome to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, with me in the flesh today, Mr. Martin Theobald. Hello. And with me remotely, also with us remotely, Mr. Terry Japanama. Ah, Fortnite away, people are going to get it. People are going to get it. <laughs> so That's why you can come in, he's, like, he's too angry. This is, um, uh, I want to say to start off with apologies for the... <laughs> The quality that's the, that inevitably suffers with the pod when we have to do these pods remotely with Terry, but needs must and all that, and this is fucking free, so stop whinging. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to have him remotely than not at all. To be fair, yeah, the fact that he's even on, and the fact that I'm going to work tonight, and the fact that you've been on the piss all weekend—it's a miracle that it's even being happening. Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, the fact that I can't even construct a coherent sentence. You are the Christmas miracle, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a flowchart today and it was like, how to figure out if it's Christmas. Is it November? Yes, question mark. <laughs> then it's not Christmas. hundred <laughs> <was it>. 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, anything interesting happened to either of you gentlemen this weekend? No. No interesting stories from fatherhood? No. No, none at all. Really? Is that Terry's is that how our lives Europe. become? We don't even have any. How about you? How many birds' numbers did you get over the weekend? Uh, just the one. Just so, the one. Yeah, of course. And whoever's listening to that, it's your number that I got. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one bit of paper that had two girls' phone numbers on it. You dirty slack. <laughs> <laughs> that was the yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Your Honour. <laughs> Okay, uh, this can be fun. Let's start with the Kovalev fight. Kovalev versus... Is it? I haven't seen it. What the hell is that? That's my handwriting, mate. <laughs> Throw it to Terry, because I haven't seen it. But... Okay. Shabrinsky. Terry. Jesus Christ, Kovalev will... <laughs> Kovalev is the moron that won't die, isn't he? He's... He... <clears throat> Possibly the most deluded man in boxing still doesn't accept that he lost twice to Andre Ward, and I find it strange that his 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 response to anything Ward related now is I don't remember the second fight, and you almost feel like playing him a video of him going, mate, you you ran away from this fight, you bottled it, you fell to pieces, then you blamed your trainer, your trainer said you were soft around the belly, now everyone knows that you're soft around the belly, and then he fights this Ukrainian guy Shabraski who isn't as good as Kovacic, got knocked up by Sullivan Barrera, but they told this this was a world title fight. So, I mean, Eddie Hearn's got competition in terms of bullshit title fights, for sure. Like, this is just as bad as a Bivol fight, in my opinion. Um, you had two men on the card who should have fought each other, Barrera and Kovalev. Sadly, they haven't fought each other. But, to give Kovalev his due, and I'm really reluctant to do it, his right hand is still one of the most potent weapons in boxing after Deontay Wilder's. Every time he hits Shrabansky, whatever his name is, God, I can't... 
Wait, listen. When he hit the Ukrainian guy, he, <laughs> well, you he made just a kept be- dropping it. You made a better effort at his name than I did, to be fair. Shrebans, oh, I can't do it. Sorry, Ukrainian <laughs> bloke. But no, look. It looked like the old Kovalev. It looked like the Kovalev that fought Nathan cleverly. Just the, as soon as the right hand lands, the other guy gets scared. And then it's just a question of when, not if. We we now know what Kovalev's problems are. Kovalev struggles against anyone with, with a boxing brain and enough smarts to avoid his jab in his right hand. If you if you can time Kovalev's one-two and just get out the way of it, you're in for an easy night because all you have to do is dig him to the body. He got rocked a couple of times with jabs, which worried me a bit. You can put it down to being off balance, but you don't normally see that with Kovalev. Um, look, it's only a two-round fight. If you've got time, it's worth watching. My sense about Kovalev is we're watching him on the on the slide now. And yeah, I'd I just had to ask that. Is Kovalev even relevant anymore? Oh, he's relevant, but only because Ward has walked away from the sport. If Ward was still <laughs> there, you would know who the dominant light yeah. heavyweight is, and then they're all fighting out for second. But now that he's walked away, you've got a whole plane of people that are all trying to become the dominant figure in that division. Mm. Because, look, there's a sequence in this fight. I think it's in the first round. It's the second knockdown in the first round. And you knew this guy had been handpicked for Kovalev because Kovalev knew that the guy was only ever going to throw jabs and would not have the confidence to throw the one-two as a first-phase attack. So all Kovalev kept doing was just timing that initial jab with the right hand over the top, and then normally trying to finish off with his own jab. So he, it was all tailor-made for him. I imagine the Klimas management company knew what they were doing because they know all of these Russian guys. So it was a, a bit of a fait accompli. And I don't know. Where does Kovalev go next? I think you fight Barrero, you fight Stevenson, in my opinion. But he's talking about Peterbiev, which I guess is another guy tailor-made for Kovalev because he hasn't really got much in the way of skill, movement, or dynamism. So we'll see what happens at the 175 level. I'm not, I'm not excited yet until someone says Barrero's involved in the title fights. Uh, Paul Altai asks, do you feel Kovalev was worthy of the vacant <clears throat> WB shot last night on the back of two losses? Who do you see as the number one at 175? It's an interesting one because... Do you remember Liam Smith went to fight in that leisure centre in Barcelona prior to fighting Canelo? <laughs> because he was coming off... Oh, oh sorry, no, it wasn't Canelo. It was fighting uh, Liam Williams. Yeah. Because he lost to Canelo. Is this right? He, could, he couldn't fight for a world title after coming off the back of a loss. That's right. But it was, and it was WBO. It was a WBO. So Kovalev last night is fighting for the WBO title after coming off the back of a loss. And so, he didn't even go to a Barcelona Leisure Centre. No, strangely enough, like maybe EasyJet weren't flying. It's weird. Of, um, yeah, so it seems like you can circumvent the rules if you choose, which I'm surprised if anyone can do that. It's not Frank. Um, yeah. But yeah, was he worthy of it? Yeah, I mean, he's worthy because of the fact that, as I say, with Ward not being there, he's lost twice to the best light heavyweight out there. And so, what else do you do? I mean, you've got Adonis Stevenson who continues to avoid any meaningful fights. You've got Bivol holding a belt. You've got various others knocking around in that weight division. I mean, Adonis Stevenson's a fight that we all want to see um, with Kovalev, but we've wanted to see that for five years and it's not happened. So I don't think it's going to be popping up anytime soon. But uh, Adonis Stevenson's almost a, an irrelevant figure within that division now. Uh, Terry? Um, so, 
So you've got to look at it from an Elgin Klimas perspective, right? Kovalev's their prime asset at 175, but they have a few others. So they've got a few of the Ukrainian bodies under their management. Also, they need a belt to hang their credibility on. So they've got that with Kovalev. Now you look for a unification, probably with the IBF champion, Baturbiev. That's probably your first unification. Um, you'll try and avoid Sullivan Barrera. Maybe he will fight the winner of Badu Jack Adonis Stevenson. Or maybe Bivol will get Sullivan Barrera, which I think is the most likely option. And then once you unify with Baturbiev, you call out Stevenson for the WBC belt, which for American-based fighters, which the Klimas stable are, is probably the most prestigious belt. But to be fair, if you were going to say all four, well, if you're going to say all all four belts were floating around, and you know I'm going to include the WBC just because Jack's fighting Stevenson. If you were to match up the rest of them, Kovalev would have been in one of those fights. So he's there on merit, even though he lost twice. And I'm loath to say them because I think Kovalev's a thoroughly horrible human being. <laughs> uh... Might I ask why? Um, just the things you hear coming out of camp. So, the, the, you hear things from sparring guys. You know, some 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 of the people I know who've been in the ring with him, and he's not he's not a good guy, man. He's got drink problems allegedly. He's got <laughs> drug problems allegedly. He and and just it, mainly it's the lack of respect he showed Andre Ward. You know, Ward's a guy who, whatever we want to say. Kovalev was a crusher. He couldn't crush Andre Ward. Whether you think he won the first fight, it's irrelevant. He didn't crush Andre Ward. I forgot about your crush on Andre Ward. Ward. (laughs) 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 Okay, moving on then. Um, The Goodwin Show last night. Is there any? First of all, is there anything else to talk about in terms of not necessarily the Kovalev Ukrainian bloke fight, but um, the undercard? Yeah. um, Is there anything? The Barrera fight. So Barrera fights a guy called, I think it's Felix Valdez. And like definitely the first three rounds that are worth watching, just two guys who are not afraid to throw combinations. They're both big men at the weight, and they were just, they were just swinging for each other. And defense was not the priority in that one. So the first three rounds of that fight, definitely worth watching. Barrera looked good, if a bit fragile. Um, this, this Felix Valdez guy looks like you know, let him fight Frank Buglioni because one thing I did want to touch on, I'm going to come back to it. If you look at Kovalev fighting Shrebratsky, I don't even care what the guy's name is, actually. It doesn't stop you from In- continually bastardizing it, though. <laughs> just, just, he's fought four different people now. <laughs> yeah, credit look, where credit's due, Jerry. Shabransky, got it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Shabransky would smash Frank Buglioni to pieces, resurrect him, smash him to pieces again. And his, I mean, he'd just smash him to pieces. And it's just his spirit, his ghost. He would destroy Frank Buglioni. Maybe he should go for the WBO European champion. And <laughs> uh, he, he doesn't need that sort of trouble in his life. He would get <laughs> he would get knocked on his ass. Let's be absolutely clear about that. Anthony Yard is a man all of these men are avoiding. That's why they're all trying to fight Donna Stevenson right now. <laughs> but but no, but in essence, uh, on a serious note, the gap between Kovalev and Shrebransky is probably the same gap between Shrebransky and Frank Buglioni on a very good, optimistic day. Why is Frank so, Buglioni even in this conversation? Yeah, I, I was. No, 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 no. I'll tell you one. why. Because 
because on previous podcasts, I've heard it mentioned that Frank would be looking for a world title shot. And I want people to watch Kovalev, Shabransky, and then go, Frank isn't going to last more than two rounds with any of these guys. And I guess I'm just trying to, this is about leveling off. So when you guys hear people talking in the media about where certain fighters are ability-wise, remember that there are levels to this. And Frank isn't, Frank's not even at that level where you could be fighting the guys who are getting beaten by Kovalev. If only he'd beaten Chris Hobbs and Buriani for the WBO European, then we could talk of him as a real threat in the division. No, look, 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 I'm, I'm actually happy to... <laughs> No, no, I'm happy to take a, a broad brush over the British boxing scene and go in terms of levels, even even a mad Ukrainian with a name I can't pronounce, like Shabransky, is miles ahead of anything we're producing in this country. So when you're seeing these guys, and we're going to touch on other people chasing world titles at some point in this podcast, just remember there are levels to this, and a lot of our guys aren't at that level. Uh, which, agree, just, agree. Yeah, I, I, I still don't buy the... Um, the world title argument just because world titles are cheapened all the time and I you know I'm not necessarily speaking about Frank Buglioni but if you're a boxer and you're absolutely dog turd and you get the opportunity to go for a world title fight and you somehow by some collision of the planets manage to get that championship and good luck to you Charles Martin did it uh, albeit because the bloke who was he fighting that bust his knee just popped halfway through yeah. the fight uh, so Charles Martin is or has been a world heavyweight champion there That's are just... ways to I think what you're saying there's ways to nick a belt yeah there's it's ways like, to nick a belt you know, that was, occasionally you get some second division team in Spain beating Barcelona by some skanky scoreline but, 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 but look look I think we're judging Martin after the Joshua fight prior to the Joshua fight Martin was a guy who was laying waste to to Binman, like the rest of the heavyweights were. He wasn't fighting anyone any worse than Wilder was fighting at the time. He wasn't fighting anyone any worse than Joshua was fighting at the time. He fought Tom and Dallas. He, Tom Dallas. <laughs> and and yeah, and he laid waste to Dallas the way that other benchmark guys have. I think he did it quicker than Ian Lewison did it. Yeah, but I think what point I'm trying to make is like when you're saying about levels, if Kovalev is miles ahead of other people in that division. It wouldn't stop me from um, were I to be in, in the position to push someone forward for it, thinking, well, if my fighter can nick a belt in this division, I'm not going to stop just because Kovalev's better than him. Kovalev can no, 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 that's fine, Andy. But as boxing fans and in the role of a podcast where we have to look at things and offer a view, we should also have the responsibility to say, this is bullshit. Oh, which so we regularly do. Yeah, <laughs> In terms if, of if, our if service we, to the community, we regularly uphold that end. <laughs> like, if you, if you heard Adonis Stevenson was defending against Frank Buglione, you'd be like, that's an absolute bullshit fight. No matter what your relationship with Frank is, you're like, that's a bullshit fight. Considering all the people you've ducked and turned down, how are you fighting him? Okay, let us move on. <clears throat> to the Goodwin show last night. Martin, did you see it? Yeah, I was there, along ah. with Frank Buglione. And your son? <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah, so I wasn't going to go, and then I had a bit of um, bit of a brainwave Friday of away because I had me uh, my lad for the weekend away to uh, shuffle the pack. I had a bit of a boys' night out. So took my eight year old down, took my eleven uh, year old nephew, and uh, 
kind of brother-in-law and we went down and uh, had a bit of a boys night out at York Hall. But... Get on the smash afterwards? Yeah, yeah, a few uh, lap joints as well. Um, <laughs> well Holland, what, Oscar loves them lap joints. Yeah, he does, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, it was, uh, I mean, the, the place was rocking last night, which, I mean, with all respect to the card, it wasn't a great card down there. Um, main event was Wadi Camacho, Jose Lopez which was a good fight. But, I mean, the card in general wasn't huge by any means, like in comparison to some of the ones they put on. But the, the crowd was uh, was something else last night. Um, I had the pleasure, I sat next to Leon McKenzie for the evening. So Leon, uh, who fought Cello Render that we discussed recently and then retired, uh, I sat next to him and his, uh, his missus for the evening. And he was brilliant and sat and helped entertain the kids and uh, talked to them about being a Premier League footballer for, uh, for a while. So that was lovely. Um, so massive respect to Leon. He was uh, he was really good. Um, get on with that um, that fundraiser for the video. Well, the, the one that people just never fucking paid into <laughs> at all. All these people that really wanted to see the fight. Um, yeah, fuck all of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sat with Leon and watched uh, Wadi Camacho. Jose Lopez was the fight that we'll talk about. Um, you know, Camacho. I've lost track now of how many area title defences he's had. Like, I'd love to know what the record is for it because he must be up there. And that's not taking the piss or anything. That's just, that's where he's at. Um, and he seems to be enjoying himself in the ring again, which I don't think he's done for a while. Uh, probably best performance I've seen from him in uh, in quite a while. Um, he beat Jose Lopez on points. He got dropped in the ninth round, but I'm not, I'm not even 100% sure whether they called it as a... Um, a knockdown or not they started the count but then the ref seemed to indicate it was a slip so I don't know whether he did or didn't um, but Camacho ended up winning the fight by one point which to me was far too close uh, Lopez just kept backing onto the ropes all the time and he kept getting into these defensive patterns of just slip, slip, slip to the side I'd like to have seen Camacho vary his attack a little bit and break that rhythm, break that pattern uh, but he didn't really do that but it was a really, really good fight, like a really entertaining fight. The two of them, um, I said Camacho was chasing him down all the way through. Lopez uh, boxing off the back foot, not effectively enough for me. He didn't carry the power to stop Camacho just walking into him. Uh, but really enjoyable fight, really enjoyable evening. It was nice to take my young lad down there. Hopefully it's an eight-year-old now that uh, will be inspired from seeing York Hall last night and how it was and the action that... You know, we were lucky enough, we sat front row, um, so he's never going to have a better seat for a boxing match ever again. That's him spoiled forever. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So he'll go and see Anthony Joshua now and sit like 500 yards back. Um, <laughs> in the raft, but, in the gods, like me. Yeah, no, cheers to uh, Steve, Josh and Kev for uh, fitting us in down there um, and being able to sit and, and do that. It was really lovely. Um, so yeah, no, it was, uh, as I say, it wasn't the, the most packed of, of shows. We actually left after that. There was an area title eliminator uh, Jordan Joseph beat Daryl Church at light heavyweight, um, but I didn't get to see that. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a good evening. I enjoyed it. Can I ask a question? Shoot. We know what level Wadi Kamacho is. Yeah. We we do, and it's we generally do. accepted. And it's not an insult Amateur to him, it's just we know what level he's at. Yeah, we know what he's capable of. If you cannot beat Wadi Kamacho at this stage of your career... Yep. Isn't it time you just said this isn't for me? I kind of, I kind of agree. There's nowhere I can go in the absence of a good summer camp. There's nowhere I can go if I can't beat Wadi Kamacho. My wife said to me earlier, "What's the definition of a gatekeeper in boxing?" And I used Wadi as the example that if you can't get past Wadi, you 
are going to struggle to do anything within the sport. Like, if you can't get past Waddy, then you're not English level. Because that's where Waddy gets stuck. He, he holds that area tight, and every time he moves up a bit, on a, on a good day, I think he could possibly take a, an English title on a very good day, but and against the right opponent. But he's never managed that. So you're right. If you can't get past Waddy Camacho, there need to be serious questions asked. In the, if you're young and you're trying to get through him and you fail, then you need to go back and, and restart almost. Um, because Camacho's coming to the end of his career, but he can still do a job. He can still do a very competent job. Um, and he's an exciting fighter to watch. Like As much as he's coming to the end of his career, I enjoy watching Wadi Camacho when he's in the ring. But again, if you can't beat him, as you say, Terry, then there need to be questions about what your ambitions are as a boxer. <clears throat> okay, um, is there anything more to tell us about the Goodwin show? No, as I say, there were plenty question. of fights on there. Um, I think I missed the uh, the best one, which was Prince Brady, was on early doors. Uh, sounded like a bit of a war, a bit of a tear-up. I didn't see it, so I can't. Uh, Sam at Fight Talk um, asks, when, if ever, have we seen a small hall atmosphere such as last night? replicated uh, in an area down south excluding Hatton fights. Last night's show reminded me of why I prefer small hall boxing 99% of the time. Secondly, I wanted to throw a question back to Terry. So start off with that one, then I'll ask the Terry Terry question. I don't know. I, I can't um, speak for every show that's been on down south. But as I say, last night was cracking, like absolutely brilliant. I say it's a real privilege to have my young lad down there and for him to witness that. Because there's some nights where it falls a bit flat and you couldn't you couldn't come up with the algorithm as to what makes mm. it a good night or a bad night because you look at that card and it wasn't the best card in the world by any means it wasn't the best card Steve's put on this year but it it just happened like you ended up with an atmosphere that was you know it, you wouldn't have anticipated that and the place was packed like proper packed um so I have a, I, there have been other evenings that there have been great atmospheres as well. Um, so I can't say yes or no to has there been a better one, if I'm honest. Um, it's one of the best that I've seen. But, I mean, a captivating fight as a main event works well. Okay, Terry, uh, Sam asks, when he, wants to, he said he wants to throw a question back at you. When do you think the boxing bubble will burst and what event will trigger it? Uh, so let, let, let's just address two things quickly. Number one, they didn't answer this question in their podcast last week. I listened, so I know. <laughs> Number two, you can't throw my questions back at me. That's not fair. That's not podcast <laughs> etiquette. Yeah. There are rules to this. You know what I mean, I came down from the mountain with the two tablets of stone, and one of them is do not send questions back. But notwithstanding that, the main sign of a bubble is when the value of something its market value is greater than its intrinsic value. That's when things become crazy. So if you look at British boxing at the moment, we know, because we watch enough of it, in Britain at the moment, there's not enough quality to sustain broadcast across Sky, BT Sport, Channel 5, Free Sport, interesting new channel, trebling in subscribers, feel free to get involved. Um, even on the amateur scene, the BBC, and for the hours of boxing they're trying to create and the revenue they're trying to generate. Because remember, Sky and BT have overpaid for football for football coverage. They've overpaid for the Premier League. They've overpaid for the Champions League. They're probably overpaid for international matches too. 
So they're trying to recoup money. So what they're doing to the public now is selling you these pay-per-views. If you believe it's bad now, wait till 2018 and you've got Tyson Fury, Tony Bellew as a pay-per-view. Then you've got Tony Bellew versus, I mean, the Paralympic David Hay. I mean, you're, you're in a bad place in 2018 whereby we're being fed dross at top dollar prices. All it will take is for a groundswell of opinion. For me, it's, it's when fans just stop going. And I'm hoping that if Hearn were to try and make Bellew versus Tyson Fury and charges 26 quid 99 to watch that, and fans just said, I'm not watching that because it's a foregone conclusion. No matter how, when that happens, when fans say this is a bullshit fight, and no matter how much spin Eddie Hearn tries to put on it, we don't buy it. That's the moment. I genuinely think if Eddie Hearn were to make Bellew versus Tyson Fury, that will be his Hey Harrison too. For me, something like that would trigger it. Deontay Wilder knocking Joshua the fuck out would be the second event that would probably precipitate the bursting of the bubble in this country. And then there's the, the darker side of things. Were there to be a serious fatality in the ring, I can see broadcasters pulling away from boxing. Okay, nice. Um, diss David Hay with a reference to the Paralympics and compare yourself to Moses. Both of those ticked <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Josh Finch asks, will the WBA sort out its belts situation? Having multiple belts is a joke. Uh, I guess he's referencing these WBA silver belt. Regular, regular. super... Do they have a diamond belt or something or not? No, that's a WBC. They have interim, regular and super. Uh, yeah. Listen back to our interview with Gilberto Mendoza uh, where he discussed all this. and His commitment to uh, to having one single belt in each weight division uh, in 2018, which is clearly, clearly going down the toilet towards the back end of 2017... As Terry's probably going to go on to about Char versus uh, Ustinov last night. Um, I haven't seen a heavyweight bout that <laughs> embarrassing. Oh, really? So you had Manuel Char, and, and really Manuel Char is probably most famous to us for trying to start a fight with Tyson Fury at, I think it was FIBO. Was it last year or this year? And basically, that is all Manuel Char is famous for. He was talking about how he'd love to fight Fury. Fury shows up. Um, it gets it gets a bit heated, but basically he's, he's famous for losing to a cruiserweight as well. Yeah, he, he he's garbage. Ustinov, garbage and old, right? So the winner of that fight has to fight Fraser Kendo, who's garbage and old. And don't don't be surprised if the winner of that fight then has to fight Shannon Briggs or Anthony and Joshua at some point. Ah, <clears throat> oh, we're a long way off that because remember. Kendo's got like he's got the New York legal situation in law like he's a legal mandatory (laughs) in New York he could lose yeah he could lose 20 fights he's still mandatory for the WBA madness Um... It's, it's, it's an absolute joke and as much as I enjoyed your interview with Mendoza it turned out that the guy was just feeding us a pack of shit basically because all the stuff he said he was going to do, it hasn't been done. And I don't know if anyone saw the outputs from the WBA convention. It just looks like it's even more confusion. The only thing I'll give him praise for is embracing Vada, which knowing the WBA, it will be done in a very ham-fisted way anyway. So you, 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 won't, you probably won't even get tested. 
You know what I mean? They'll let you get away with stuff. Just you know, white label it. Yeah, they'll just go, look, yeah, it's okay if you do it in summer camp. Any other time, you can't do it. But no, so we don't, no one cares about the WBA. They're, despite them being the oldest governing body, and I think they are the oldest governing body, they are the least relevant because the WBC is still the most prestigious. The IBF we respect because no matter what you say, if you're on that list of mandatories, like they will go down the list and find you. They're the fairest of the governing bodies. So for me, it's the WBC for prestige, the IBF for fairness, the WBO, because to be honest, we're European. So we have to, you know, that's our only real shot at guaranteeing world title shots for our guys. And then you've got the WBA, which is kind of a nothing belt. It's great if you're, if you're Mexican, I guess, and it's of interest. But the only reason we care about it here is because Vladimir Klitschko held that belt and David Hay held that belt. That's pretty much it. Is it worth just noting at this point that, uh, what are we, nearly half an hour in, uh, we've just lined up an interview with Isaac Chamberlain, who uh, has announced tonight that he's not fighting in December on the next-gen card, which is what he was meant to be fighting on. Uh, right now, I don't know why he's not going to be, but we're going to end the podcast slightly earlier than anticipated uh, in a little while. And then we're going to throw on an interview with Isaac for uh, for 10, 15 minutes on the end and find out what he's got to say about it. So stay tuned at the end because it's essentially going to be two bits of a podcast. Ooh. Which is breaking news because we've just sorted out ourselves now. Uh, Rob Brennan asks, what do you think of the new Ireland's last man standing competition at the National Stadium in March next, March next year? Terrestrial TV courage, coverage for Irish boxing. All right, let's give this some colour. Um, so it's Assassin Promotions, um, who have been doing quite a lot of work on the South Coast. And they've teamed up with Red Corner, um, who I think predominantly work out of the Midlands. And they're going over to Ireland and doing what's essentially a prize fighter tournament with a 10 grand um, prize pot in it. And it's going to have television over in Ireland. Uh, I think Mickey Helliot is involved as the matchmaker within it, so he's picking the participants for it that I think is going to be done at middleweight. Only Irish participants. Um, quite how Irish you have to be, so if you can go down the Tony Cascarino route of having a, a fake Irish nan and then get your place in there, I don't know. Fake um, Irish nan. I, I don't know how stringent they're going to be on it, but I think it's brilliant. Um, I think, you know, it's... Boxing over in Ireland, certainly in Northern Ireland, um, where you've had Frampton... Ryan Burnett uh, coming in recently, you know, they started to gain a bit of traction over there. And it would be nice, certainly with Katie Taylor as well. Um, this is, you know, where you have those lads all at the top at the world title level, this is going to bring something to that level below. Um, but we all love prize fighter deep down. Like, we all miss prize fighter. You miss having a three round blowout between two lads that you know aren't world champions, but, you know, two lads that are in there because they want that 10 grand paycheck out of it. There's something brilliantly fascinating about seeing that. Um, I'll tell you what excites me about this. There are two things, actually. One, uh, there's a bonus for your amateur club, for the winner, which, like, how why is it taking promoters so long to, to, to do that is beyond me. But secondly, it's at £165. So that means you're going to get a, a better span of fighter. So I think the average guy will be bigger. So super mids that can boil down and then middleweights who don't necessarily have to kill themselves to make 160. So they, they've really, it seems like they've really thought this one through. Yeah, I like it. I think it's really good. Um, 
I don't know when it's start or when it's on uh, or if it's going to be a long-term thing or if it's a one-off. I'm not sure of the details of it, but fair play to them for for branching out and giving it a go over in Ireland. Okay, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I love Irish boxing. Let it never be said that we don't give enough time. All we do Irish is boxing. love Irish boxing, Terry specifically. <laughs> okay, um, right, so Tyson Fury has signed with MTK. Yeah. Um, um, we've got some questions, but do you want to... Well, should we explain? He's cause signing with MTK. He signed an advisory thing. So the same as Carl Frampton, who we're going to touch on a little bit later on. Um, Carl Frampton signed an advisory contract with them. So take that as essentially being a management contract, but without the word management in it. For Carl Frampton, that's for legal purposes, you'd suspect, as we're going to touch on later on. Um, for Tyson Fury, I don't know who managed him previously. Uh, whether it was Mick Hennessy, whether it was Peter Fury, I don't know who it was. Um, so he signed this advisory. So advisory, you typically hear associated to Al Heyman over in America, but it's something now that MTK are taking on. They have the the ability to manage fighters. So why they're going with the advisory term in this scenario, I'm not sure. Um it doesn't really make any difference. What's quite amusing, I was listening the other day to David Allen started up a podcast and he had Tyson Fury on there. And Tyson Fury was saying, look, I don't need a manager. I can self-manage. I'm wise enough. If I make bad decisions, I want it to be on me. I don't want it to be on somebody else. Um, and then two days later, signs of MTK under this advisory contract. So I'm not sure, not sure what's changed his heart around that. It still remains to be seen what MTK can do for lads at the very top level uh, in terms of a management perspective. Because they've only just taken on Carl Frampton. We've seen they they handle an awful lot of lower level lads. So um, like of Isaac Chamberlain, so somebody who's on the way up, he's an MTK fighter. Um, they've got Liam Smith, so you know, former world title holder, albeit the most made up world title you'll ever see. But Liam Smith, who was a world title holder, he's an MTK fighter. So there are lots of them that are on the management side with MTK and now the advisor side. Um, and they cover from Carl Frampton, Tyson Fury, all the way down the sign this week, Taylor Jones and George Hennon, two small hall lads. Um, so it remains to be seen what you're going to do with these lads at the very top level, other than place them with Warren or Hearn will be one of the, the long-term aims, presumably. But, but let's also be clear, Tyson is still unrealized potential because you take the Klitschko fight out of it, Fury hasn't really been on a massive stage yet where, you know, that's what we were looking forward to. That the Klitschko fight was his meant to be his coming up party and then he's doing the O2, he's doing the MEN, he's doing all those big arenas and then building up the stadium fights with the guys like Wilder. We haven't seen that for two years for obvious reasons. So he's in that position where he's got a lot to prove and I think MTK have a lot to prove as well. Do you think... So I can see the synergies there. And, you know, we go back to the days when Tyson was trying to fight for the Irish Heavyweight Championship and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure the Furies and the MTK guys go back a long way. Read into that what you will. But I think, in essence, it's, it's, it's good for MTK because it's a marquee name to add to Carl Frampton that anchors their presence in Ireland and the UK. And it's, for Tyson, it's really good because as long as Macklin stays part of it, you've got someone who understands the game and will know if Tyson's being shafted or not. And that's what Tyson needs at this point. He needs someone who's going to say, don't do anything stupid. Yeah, Leave everything to us. 
You focus on being Tyson and being funny and engaging and boxing. We'll do the rest of it. I think that's what he's probably needed in his career. Uh, Dumps asks, uh, what do you make of Tyson fight uh, training with Ricky Hatton? Is it the end of the relationship with Peter Fury? And is it a good move? I think it is the end of Peter Fury as his trainer. Um, it may turn out to be wrong in the long term, but I think that will be the end of Peter Fury for now. I suspect longer term they'll end up getting back together. Ricky Hatton trains Nathan Gorman, so there's a an obvious uh, sparring partner there for Tyson and to bring Nathan along. They both come from the travelling backgrounds. They've known each other. I think they're cousins, aren't they, maybe? Um, there's, certainly <laughs> some, there's some family relationship there somewhere. Um, so, you know, there's somebody there that Tyson can train with. They've had David Allen over there. Um, again, to me, Ricky Hatton remains to be seen as a trainer. Look, he, he had that lad over versus Ryan Burnett, uh, Zakianov. And by all accounts, he was out on the piss most of that weekend whilst his lad's going out in a world title fight. Nice. You've had the Upton brothers that have trained with Hatton that left under a cloud and went down and trained with Barry Smith in London. Like They all, as a whole, said, no, this, there was something not quite right and they left. Um, and so is Hatton, who goes out on the piss very regularly, you see him in photos all the time out on the piss the press still love to cover it which I feel for him with because what right have they really got to cover the man's life should they be not really post retirement as post retirement well. um, all he is is a boxing coach now yeah. uh, and a trainer well clearly people do care for I know but I, cover I it, do but... feel for him like let him live as a boxing coach as a promoter to Lucas Brown for whatever good that's doing um but does that ill discipline is that really going to benefit a Tyson Fury who is renowned for the last two years for anything but having any discipline it, could it be though that he's trying to um, use uh, Hatton's knowledge of when he used to trim down you know he used, he used to go from looking like belly's going to get you to a slim trim boxer yeah but maybe he's that, trying to get onto that track but that lifestyle fucking took years off of Hatton's career took years off of his career yeah but what, I'm, what i mean is like fury is already at the at the sad end of that and so maybe he's gone to train with Ricky. but Hatton then go just... to the ingles like we've seen what they've done with billy joe saunders they've waved a magical wand <laughs> a very magical <laughs> wand and billy joe saunders is now ripped to shreds go and do that so here's here's my theory for all it's worth frampton goes to jamie moore and nigel travis who i think are good honest men good decent people but they're not people who can tell Carl Frampton what to do. Frampton can now do what he wants in camp. If he doesn't want to spar, he doesn't have to. But you can't tell Barry McGuigan, no. You can't. I mean, just for respect, wise, you can't say to Barry McGuigan, I'm not training today. And it was quite obvious in those uh, hype videos for Frampton on the, uh, the, the card that we missed last week. He runs that gym and what goes on. You could see it in like the promo videos. I felt for yeah. Jamie Moore. So, so you can imagine, Fury's there going, I can't tell my uncle anything, right? I don't like the way I'm training here. I'm going to go and train with Ricky Hatton. Hatton will just be in awe of having me in the gym. I can do what I want. I can train how I want to train now. Both men will regret doing that. But that's, that, that's, that's my take on it. It's They've gone for an easier life in camp. Otherwise, you'd have been more ambitious in your choice of trainer. Yeah, Hatton to me isn't a world champion trainer. Not yet. He might be in a few years' time, but 
you know, having the Uptons, having Nathan Gorman doesn't fit with having the world heavyweight title holder. Um, with MTK, sorry, Riku Heikler asks, with, Re- with MTK recently announcing the St. Marky signs of Fury and Frampton, with there are 100 fights, fighters on their books already, do you believe that they will push for a TV deal and start running large shows in 2018? No. Why would they? Um, you, why increase your, your brand and your business risk exposure by hiring out the MEN or hiring out the O2 when you know you can park your fighters on Hearn shows or Warren shows at will. So why not use the next few years to learn, learn all the tricks of the trade, learn what everyone does well. When this bubble bursts, which it will, that's where you step abroad and you go, right, we're MTK, here are our shows, here's what makes us different. Uh, Okay, Uh, his second question is, why has Daryl Williams announced his retirement? I think we touched on this, didn't we? Um, possibly. I can't remember if we did or if I was listening to somebody else, but it's um, politics and family, I think, sums it up. Pretty much. Um, you know, when 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 you're at Daryl's level, um, I know Steve will probably listen to this, so he, he'll go, Terry's wrong, but I think you have to be fighting more than twice a year to support a family that consists of a partner and two children. And I think his frustration is he'd like to be fighting four or five times a year and he's not seeing the roadmap to that happening. I think is everybody, everyone would agree with that. Everyone. Yeah. Is that a Frank Warren issue? I don't think it necessarily is. I think you've got to look at Mickey Elliott and go, when you're taking people to Vegas and gallivanting here, there and everywhere and having these fancy shows, where's the roadmap for Daryl Williams? You know, I've got no issue with Mickey Elliott, but if I saw him tomorrow, my first question would be, what's the roadmap for Daryl? You know, he's English champion now. It looks like the British is going to become vacant. I'm not hearing any noises being made. I don't hear anyone petitioning for Daryl to fight for that. Um, I'm not, I don't see you giving Daryl, you know, the WBO European shot, which went to Lerone Williams, quite... Uh, Lerone Richards. Richards. Which is deserved. I have no issue with that. But Daryl wasn't offered anything like that. So you're almost like, well, how committed are you to Daryl's career? And if you're not committed, be honest and say, look, you might have to go on the small hall scene or you might have to go on the road. You know, we might farm you out to Steffi Ball. We might farm you out to Dennis Hobson. We might farm you out to Steve Wood or Errol Johnson or Steve Goodwin or, you know, whoever's doing the stuff out in Portsmouth, I forget. Assassins. El, El Siesta is down there as well. Yeah. But let the guy make a living. And I, that's my ethos for all boxers. But I let think... Let the guy make a living. Look, I, I like Daryl Williams. I like him as a boxer. But I think there's going to be some um, choices that he made that in... You know, when he looks back at his career, he's going to go, I've, I've dropped a bollock on that one. I genuinely do. Like, leaving the box to go up and join Ricky Hatton, I think is a poor decision. Because he had a very good setup at the box. Coming off of the small hall scene to sign with Frank Warren, when you know from what we've seen, he's fought Jarmaine Smile twice since fight, uh, signing with. No, he's fought him once. He wasn't with Warren the first time round. Then he signed with Warren after he beat Jarmaine Smile, I believe. Um, and then what? Nothing. So signing with Frank Warren has that benefited him? Nope. Signing with Ricky Hatton has that benefited him? Nope. Um, so ultimately, you know, you've got to trace it back to the core of it. He's made those decisions, maybe with his manager, Mickey Helliot. Um, Mickey Helliot should have done a better job with him. He maybe should have made some different choices himself. But I think he'll probably appreciate that as well. 
Uh, there's more to the iBox thing. We can discuss that at some point, but there's definitely more to it. Okay. Um, I'm sure there probably is, but is the answer to go up north to Manchester with Hatton? Again, it's a, not for me. Right, Unless you move up there. Yeah, if you're going to take your, your whole life and go up there, that's fine. Yeah. But uh, a Monday to Friday doesn't work for me. Coming back round to um, MTK and Fury. Uh, Lee Herford asks a collection of questions. One of them is, why do people beep the beep of a beep beep? <laughs> so that's an interesting question. Thanks, Lee. Um, so I'm just going to swerve that over here. Yeah, uh, well, that's why I beat it. Because we we've move on. had prior conversations about, yeah, both um, my <clears throat> awesome contributors were totally unwilling to even address that. <laughs> Not even reluctant. Not even reluctant. Beyond that. Um... They've got, they got MTK have a show coming up December 2nd. will be a great show if you can make it. By all means, go. That's where Big Dave not Price sure is commentary. back. Yeah. yeah. Don't, not sure about the commentary, but it will be a good event. <laughs> Whoever's doing the commentary will be shit compared to the last ones. Yeah, that's I'm true. throwing it out there. I don't know that's who's true. doing it. I've no idea. Just but they won't be shame. as good as we... Nah, apart from John Murray, because I love John Murray. Um, if John Murray's doing it, then it's better than us. The only Lee Herford question that I'm willing to ask you guys is when you advise someone but don't really manage them, is it just a PR stunt? Clearly, this is a reference to MTK. Yeah, and taking on Frampton and Fury. So, Look, I think. Okay, let's, let's touch on it now, actually. The whole Frampton thing, because it's come out this evening about Cyclone promotions are. Um, what's the term? They're, I've written it down on the bit of paper, Andy. Um, they're starting legal proceedings against- initiated legal proceedings against Frampton yeah that's it um, so they're initiating legal proceedings against Carl Frampton I got wind of this a little while back that it was quite likely to get messy Frampton has come out himself via his solicitors issued a statement we can confirm Cyclone promotions and blame McGuigan of lodge proceedings against our client Mr Frampton in the high court Mr Frampton is deeply disappointed blah 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 long and short of it is he's going to counterclaim back against the McGuigans um, so they've tried to sue him. He's going to counter sue. It's all going to get horribly messy. In the meantime, Carl Frampton can't sign a management contract. I would suspect. I might be wrong, but I would guess he can't sign a management contract anywhere else because he knew there was a likely um, issue coming along. So who knows what this is going to be about? If I had to take a punt from some of the murmurings that I've heard in other places. Um, there is perhaps the possibility that money wasn't always declared by all parties involved in it. Allegedly, may have happened, may not have happened. Some of the money may not have always got back to Carl from his fights that he was entitled to. Um, but then Cyclone may be saying the opposite. I don't know what they're counter-suing for. Um, I'm sure it'll all come out in the uh, in the wash of the High Court. It will be interesting to follow this one. So going back to the original question about uh, is it a PR stunt? No, I don't think it is a PR stunt for Carl. I think Carl is probably going to be fairly self-managed anyway. Um, I do think it helps both parties. It helps MTK look like a very um, legitimate uh, boxing management advisory company by having Carl Frampton, by having Tyson Fury on board. Um, I'm sure they're paid a nice fee by MTK for uh, for the privilege of being associated to them. But uh, I think they'll also be providing some of that management um, uh, management information that they maybe were getting elsewhere that they're not, certainly in the case of Carl, maybe allowed to have management on any contract somewhere. It's probably quite possible. 
Uh, as long as there's extra, as long as there's extra words to add in the English language, there'll always be, there'll be, there'll be loads of rules over this or that, and eventually someone will catch up with with certain wordings of certain contracts. Then suddenly people will be signing assistance contracts or customer service contracts or. Advisor gets around an awful lot of issues. Yeah, it gets around an awful lot of exactly. issues. Um, now, uh, Ben Samuel Me asks, uh, "Who should Fury sign with, Eddie, Frank, or stick with Mick on his promotion front?" Can we rule out oh. sticking with Mick just based on the Friday night pay per view situation? <laughs> Terry, have you seen any of it? No, who who's on the card? All right, okay. So let me give you the uh, the context on this. Mick Hennessy runs a pay per view. You know he did Huey Fury Joseph Parker on YouTube uh, <laughs> yeah. for ten pounds and then fifteen pounds if you didn't register in time. So he's clearly, you know, he's seen that model is such a great model that he's decided just to roll it out across the board, and so he gets um, a lady by the name of Caria Caruni or something. I'm not really sure. She goes by the nickname of Pink Tyson. The fact that I've never heard of her, Andy's shaking his head. Terry, I doubt you're that aware of her. She's the GBU world champion, so like a complete and utter plastic belt mm. that isn't meant to be fought for on these shores. So somebody find out from the board why that was allowed, because it shouldn't have been, um, under their own rules. So she's headlining it. On the undercard, you had Lenny Dawes. You had, um, what's his name? John Joe Nevin, the Irish uh, silver medalist from the Olympics a few years back who started off as a pro. They put this on a pay-per-view on YouTube on Friday night for £1.79. £1.79. Like, I'm not even going to bother going and registering. It's not worth my time and my effort to go on a YouTube account, set up a YouTube account with my payment details. I'm not paying you £1.79 to watch that shit. Um, but if that's a level now that... I wouldn't watch if it was free, if I'm completely honest. No, I don't think I would. But I, it would take quite. It would take more than that money to pay to me to watch it as well. Yeah. So, yeah. You'd so, need to give me 10 quid to watch that To crit. sit through it. Yeah. Um, but someone needs to put Mick Hennessy's promotional company down. Like, they need to seriously put a bullet in that because... If that's the level that he's sunk to now as a promoter, is a £1.79 pay-per-view on YouTube with some bird who walks to the ring hello, carrying a Hello Kitty teddy and something else. It's- you know, just there's so, many, so much now that just smacks of almost like around the country, there's, there's people that sit in rooms, whoever they are, and they go... Yeah, well, uh, Eddie Hearn does that, mate. It's not fucking hard. <laughs> Just get a few of them down here, stick it on YouTube, stick some, uh, stick a price on it, and uh, there's Bob's your uncle. We've got us, uh, we'll be making millions. This time next year, Rodney. <laughs> you know, that's, it's just so painful. I'll tell you how bad it is. How, how many steps they just miss. They had uh, Ben Dowerty doing the commentary on it. So for those of you that aren't aware of Ben Dowerty, if you're aware of Simon Clayton taking people's money on a ticket deal and fucking off and doing those people over, Ben Dowerty, he he gave birth to that concept. Ooh, that's nice. That's, that sounds like a good man. Yeah. So this is the thing with boxing. that You can be an absolute scumbag and you can still find a way back into it in time and end up commentating <laughs> on a Mick Hennessy show. Um, like he Look, did, he mentioning did no names. There's a healthy, a large, healthy amount of scumbags in boxing. There are many scumbags. <laughs> Doughty is one of them. Uh, no doubt about it. Like he took people's money, and I don't know if he ever paid it back or not. It's not the point. He went missing. He went underground. 
he eventually came back and people go, oh yeah, it's all right, Ben, you're so good. Fuck off. He's a scumbag that took people's money. It's horrible. He may have paid it back in time. I don't care. It's the principle of it. Terrible. But he ends up commentating on a McHennessy pay-per-view for £1.79. Nice. But, but, but here's the thing. Hennessy has a track record of failure. He he singularly failed to turn Carl Froch into a star. Yep. And Froch made more money just shaking hands with Eddie Hearn than he did in his whole career with Mick Hennessy. The problem with Mick Hennessy, and if this gets back to him, I don't give a monkey's nope. even. And uh, I, I see why certain trainers don't like him. He's weak. So Mick Hennessy is a man who will just be happy to negotiate with Al Heyman. And he'll probably ask for Al Heyman's autograph. When you're a fighter, <laughs> you want <laughs> yeah what you want is you want a negotiator who's going to get you the best deal and is going to get you more money than you probably deserve he Hennessy's needs, not done. Fury needs yeah. to dump Mick get with Eddie uh, look we give Eddie well, well, shit so, 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 so if the rumours are to be believed the Fury to Sky match room is a done deal okay um, yeah you've heard it here first people it's a done deal uh, Terry, Robert Martin asks, what are your thoughts on Isaac's coach, Te- uh, Isaac Chamberlain, uh, coach Ted Barmy? Uh, Spencer Ferron seems to think Okoli has the advantage because Ted's only been a coach for two years. Listen, Spencer Ferron is the worst predictor of anything. Like, <laughs> if, if Spencer told me, if Spencer told me it was night, I'd just believe it was day, even if I was blind. I'd just believe it was day. <laughs> You'd go out with that- suntan lotion on, a baseball cap. <laughs> Well, no, no, they need to see I was white and he'd hate me. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking. Spencer no, isn't like that, man. No, no Spencer, 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 everyone knows my view on Spencer. I like the fact that he's in boxing, he's a character. And to be honest, having put his whole life in the sport, deserves to be involved in it. I am no one to be telling Spencer to be in or out of the sport. So I respect him on that level. But I also have listened to Spencer for a long time. In the nascent stages of Isaac's career, Spencer was telling us how great Ted was and how great it was that Isaac was training with his uncle and how that familial bond will get more out of him and that Ted Bammy was a respected pro and could do all of this. He was saying that, wasn't he? I don't see what's changed for him to be saying, well, Cody's got the advantage. Now, if you want to line the coaches up, you've got Ted Bammy, who's relatively new to coaching yes but he's been in boxing a damn long time and on the other side you've got Brian O'Shaughnessy who also coaches um, Umar Sadiq uh, young Dan Aziz who boxes on the second so I and I, I probably know Brian better he came up the amateur route the West Ham route under Mickey May you know what I mean he was part of the the guys alongside Mick Driscoll where they just kept churning out champions out of West Ham they're both knowledgeable men when it comes to boxing this isn't going to be about who has the better coach, I don't think. This is just going to be about two men that want to fight each other. The styles are so different that this isn't being won on a 5 or 6% difference that a coach can make. This is being won on who imposes their style on the other guy. Um, and people know my view. I'm just looking forward to this fight. I wouldn't even call a winner on this fight because it's about who's got the fortitude and the mental strength to execute. But I wouldn't want to question Ted Bammy. I think Ted Bammy deserves to be given a chance because another man who's put his life in the sport. And, you know, 
that's his nephew. Isaac's his nephew. So what more can you say? And as for Brian O'Shaughnessy, look, he's building something that looks to be special over a cool box. So good luck to him as well. Student of the Game asks, smaller promoters such as Hobson Promotions trying to break through on the new free sports channel. Can it be a success? It's going to be a big ask. Um, they've got their second show coming up in the new year, uh, Hobson. Terry, you were at the first one, um, so you probably know more about it than I do, but I hope it is. I hope it is a success. I hope. I think the model is that they're going to be showing various uh, promoters' shows. It's not just going to be Hobson, but Free Sport will be showing, I think, some um, Warrior promotion stuff down in London um, and various others. So it's not just pinned to Hobson, but I think Hobson is possibly the holder of that maybe contract and then he kind of sublets it out to others around the country so look, I hope they do because to me that's the level more that I'm interested in is seeing these lads coming up or seeing well match fights at small hall shows rather than seeing matchroom Olympians smashing up shit bags from Latvia um, so yeah I hope it is because I want to see more stuff from around the country so so here's the challenge I, I so Sheedy Cameron was a hell of a fight uh, for Dennis to announce himself back in the game. But you almost become a victim of your own success. And I'm sure Steve felt that with the Mackenzie render. So, you know, your instinct is, how do I go after that same feeling? How do I go after that same impact? How, how can I matchmake to generate that again? Which is incredibly hard, and I'm sympathetic to promoters because that's what the fans demand, and it's not always so easy. So there's that problem. The second problem is you have two ways you can be a small hall promoter. You can be the Goodwin route, which is anyone that comes to us within reason, we will sign and we will get working. And it's a great consensus-based model where the, the group all advance together. You know, you have your leaders, obviously, but essentially you have the group moving as one. And it's worked. Let's not lie. It's worked and it's meant that Steve can put on multiple shows in a year. I want to see someone do the opposite. I want to see someone, and it's difficult now with MTK in the game, I want to see someone, almost like Moneyball, find these young kids who might have been overlooked for various reasons, but they have something, they have an X factor to them, be it supreme power, be it a great defense, be it great speed. Sign four or five of these lads up, forget where they are in the country, base them out of two or three key cities and go, we're going to work the circuit. And we're just going to work our circuit and we're going to build our reputations here before going national. The problem you have is just trying to find matches, competitive matches. I know there are not enough British guys around to do the journeyman circuit for this number of boxing promotional companies. That's the tricky bit. His second question is, is AJ damned if he does and damned if he doesn't? <laughs> Fuck, that's a whole podcast yeah that's a long one we haven't got the time for that to go into depth uh, AJ needs to change his passwords and not give them out to anyone I think his passwords are safe personally yeah and if he is doing that himself then fair play come out and tell us uh, go on Terry if you wanted to add I, I, I just look my mind is I just wonder if one of the prices for Fury signing to Matchroom is that they gave him these login details and someone Tyson Fury's phone are screen grabs of messages Josh has been sending to people. When they fight each other, these will come out. 
Okay, thank you very much for that question. Uh, Apologies we skip through these now, but we need to be done in like two minutes. Yeah, because I'm going to work and we have interviews to do. Um, Goldie asks, how does Yard fare against Buglioni if they meet? Get smashed, him get smashed one round. Stops him in one round. Nah, get smashed in one round. Retires. Look, look he, he knocks Buglioni out, puts him in the casket, wheels him up the aisle, into the ambulance, wow. and that's the end of it. I don't think they put caskets in ambulances. It seems like a bit of a waste of time. <laughs> um, okay. Good fight. Let's see it made. Stop ducking everyone, Anthony. I Make it est- happen, big boy. I Esteniv asks, um, do they have... A question for the podcast. Now, do they have boxing scouts like football who goes uh, who go around on boxing cards looking for fighters to sign? Um I'll tell you how this works with Steve Goodwin, right? Really, really quickly. Steve Goodwin has never, ever approached a boxer to sign with him. Every single boxer has approached him. So he's got a large stable of fighters from the very best to some journeymen. Every single one of those has approached Steve. It's not so that's the same with everyone else because there are, um, you know, amateurs that are coming out of the amateur scene that aren't GB Olympians that won't sign with Hearn, won't sign with Warren. Um, and so, yeah, they're well-known people. Um, there aren't really that many scouts in terms of the amount of talent that comes out of the amateur game, people know who they are already if they're any good because they're the ones that would have had 40, 50 amateur fights. So people are aware of them already. Um, But I say the elite ones will end up with the better promoters and then the other promoters have the pick of the rest. But they're known already. Um, So the model shifted. In the old days, what would happen is Frank Warren would just call around maybe 10 or 11 clubs in the country. Like he'd phone up at Repton and he'd go, look, any of you lads looking to turn over? And then someone like, you know, Burnsy over at Repton, Mick Carney at Fitzroy Lodge, uh, Mickey Delaney at Dale Youth. Th- these guys would all be feeding in intelligence to Frank. So Frank would always have that Rolex. Him and Dean Powell would know who was coming on when, when were they turning over? So there's, there's always this sharing of knowledge between promoters and trainers because as Steve, I think Steve said this on the podcast, when you sign someone, yes, you're signing a talent, but what you want to know is what's this guy like in the gym? So you're going to go back to the amateur coaches and go, what's he actually like in the gym? You know, I've received text messages from all sorts of different people asking me about amateurs. What's he like? What's he like outside of the ring? What's he like at shows? What's he like? What's his character? And you just give an honest answer because unlike team sports where scouting can help you, but you've got a team dynamic to absorb many of the faults. Boxing is quite a naked sport. So you want to know what that guy's character is like because that's essentially what you're buying into. Okay, uh, that is where we're going to have to call it an end to this part of the podcast. Mr. Terry Chapandama is going to leave us. So um, say your goodbyes, Mr. Terry. Sayonara, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Classy as always. Um Okay, yeah. So thank you very much, Terry. And I guess the next time we'll speak to you will be when we're interviewing Mr. Isaac Chamberlain. So thank you you very much, Terry. See you later. Welcome back. We are proud to say that we're joined by Mr. Isaac Chamberlain. Say hello, Isaac. Yo. <laughs> hey, what's up? What's up, guys? <laughs> um, Martin, take us away. 
Yeah, so no, thank you, Isaac, for uh, for joining. It was a bit of a last-minute thing by all accounts, wasn't it? It was uh, a quick Twitter exchange yeah. and then uh, grab you on the phone. Um, so how you doing, man? Are you so To break it to people, you're not going to be fighting on the next-gen card now? No, I'm not going to be fighting. No, I was really looking forward to it as well. But, you know, injuries happen and stuff. Just got out of the hospital yesterday, so... So what have you, you done? Know, I don't really want to go into detail. I don't want to go into detail by it because obviously then opponents will be looking in, you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't want to give any weaknesses so after, away. Yeah, yeah. So how gutted are you then to be off? Because uh, for people that may not know, there's this was going to be the build-up to you versus Lawrence Okoli, hopefully happening in February. Um, so you I were know, both going to be I on know. the same card. You sound gutted about it. Yeah, I am. Because I've been training, sparring the best. I've been training really hard. I was like really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know what I mean, so it would have been really good, you know, the build up and everything, and you know, but I think these things happen. You know what I mean? Guess it was too good to be true the way things were going. <laughs> um, how long do you think your recovery is going to take, Isaac? Um, doctor said about six weeks, six to seven weeks. So, so is, does that put it at risk then for February? No, nah, no, nah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Obviously, because athletes, as athletes, we recover a lot quicker. So I think it, um, like he was saying six, doctor was saying six to seven weeks for like a normal person. Okay. So obviously I'm going to take the right supplements and my physio will be on it. So what I see. So, I mean, um, in terms of the whole stuff with Lawrence, there was a, the video that went out the other week from when you were both backstage at the, the Warriors show, wasn't it? Um, yeah, fill us in a little bit on that. What happened then? So you and I, uh, sorry, you and Lawrence and all your teams cross paths. Yeah, basically, I was I was there for my friend Chris Congo. You know, he's a stable man of mine, and obviously we we trained together. Yeah, and he was fighting that night, so obviously I'm just there chilling. And yesterday, Lawrence was putting like the day before, Lawrence was putting stuff on social media, just talking rubbish and whatever. Like he can't keep my name out of his mouth. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> tweeting stuff all the time about me. Like, and he's trying to say I'm the one who's obsessed with him. I don't really get that because look at the tweets I'd make and look at his tweets. It's all full of stuff to do with me. Yeah. So, so I'm just thinking, like, obviously. I was like, Roger, what? Let me just, uh, I see him walking in. Like, not like from where the bar is. And obviously, I'm at the top. You know when Eric when Eric Guy does the film? Yeah, up on the stage. And I'm sitting, yeah, I'm I'm around there. So he's like, um, someone was like, all right, look, there's Lawrence. And I was like, do you know what? Let me, this opportunity to go up to him and be like, what are you saying to all of the stuff that you've been talking about on, what, online? What was your intention so, at that point? Was it to... <laughs> was it to get physical? Was it to intimidate him? Or was it no, just, no, look, no, let's, no, get it let's get it all out? Let's get it all out. Honestly, it wasn't even to intimidate or nothing. I just wanted to see what you're saying to all of those stuff that you're saying on social media. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, I'm not really a social media type talking a lot on social media person. So if you want to say anything, say it to me face to face. You know what I mean? <laughs> so obviously I came, to, I came up to him and I was like, bro, what, what are you saying? What are you telling me? Do you know what I mean? And then he was there like, oh, you're feeling a bit powerful, you know? Just talking rubbish. He wasn't really talking that much. And I was like, bro, you had a lot to say online. Like, spill your beans. Like, say what you have to say now. <laughs> and I think it's because he was uh, put under pressure by me just saying, like, what to say now. I don't know if he kept quiet for that or whatever. And then 
um, his brother was there, like, oh, when are you going to fight him? You're looking a bit small, you know? I was, I was like, <laughs> and I was thinking in my head, like, really, you're thinking of size. And obviously, not too long ago. We've lost you, you know. again there, Isaac, I think. It's right, so, so your brother said what, Isaac? So his brother was like, oh, you're looking a bit small, you know? And then obviously, he was saying it as well. He was like, yeah, you're looking a bit small, whatever. And then I was thinking, you're just copying everything Joshua does, because Joshua done an interview before that. You were saying uh, about Deontay Wilder, oh, he's 15 <laughs> stone, he's small, whatever. And I was thinking, everything you're doing is just trying to copy Joshua. Like, be yourself. Uh, you don't have to be the scripted guy where you're not. Like, everyone knows. The people that know him know how he is. Like, he's a prick. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, it's, and I was like... <laughs> and then, it, obviously, I was like... He was like, oh, when are you going to fight him then? Whatever. And I was like, listen, I'll fight him when the time is right, whatever. And he goes... Then fight him then. Then the whole of Yoku turns around, flipping, everyone gets their cameras out, everyone starts like, it's just a lot of hype. And then I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, look at this guy, like, look what he's done. Like, I'm thinking in my head, listen, the, the loudest in the room is the weakest. Like, yeah, empty yeah. barrels make the most noise. Like, you don't have to show that you're, like, you don't have to show that you're big and whatever by shouting and creating a big, like, complete noise for no reason like you look like an idiot like do you know what I mean and I'm, I'm just thinking oh no and then obviously when the camera's out he 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 somehow found his mouth again do you know what I mean he's just talking talking oh yeah um I'm gonna break your face or whatever he's just talking rubbish and he's all saying other stuff I don't really remember a lot but he's all saying uh um uh what did he say he was like oh We'll fight in December. Yeah, we can fight in December, whatever. Da, 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 da. Just talking. And I'm just thinking, bro, like, just don't be chatting rubbish. Like, if you want to really fight, then we can fight. Like, I, I have no <laughs> problem fighting you. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why he thinks I have this problem fighting him. Like, he's, I think he's, he, the people around him are gassing him up so much as if he's so great. Like, he's so good. He's knocking out guys. If you listen, if you fight a guy with one two days notice and they're not fit, their durability is a lot less. Yeah. Compared to a fighter that's been preparing for six, eight weeks, training hard. You've been trained like in that camp, you've been trained to take punishment. And so you're gonna be a lot more durable. So like he's been fighting guys with one day notice and stuff, uh, knocking them out. But when he fought Blazeman Duo, which is some a bit a bit fit as well, and he and he's tough. Look, look what happened there. Even then, Blaze had fun with him that night. Yeah, like he, do you know what I mean? He just showed something. Like obviously, it's it's funny though because um, boxing fans can are easily like, you know, how can I say this? Like the boxing fans, I don't know how to say it. Like they look at stuff. They just look at oh knockouts and power. And, Whatever they don't look deep into it with with, with what's happening. I, I blame I, I your boss. I blame Eddie for that. <laughs> yeah, casual fans. A lot of casual fans. Yeah, exactly. Fans Bloody sweet Caroline. Yeah, really. Hey, don't yeah, don't no. tarnish this, this, yeah. the 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 casuals, handy. mate. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it as basic, Isaac? I mean, so many people break it down to Lawrence being this powerhouse who can hit hard, and you being a far more schooled and competent boxer. Is it as basic yeah. as that to you? Um, no, nah, because I know for a fact that there's more to my game. Yeah. 
you know, I've been sparring the best in the world. I've been working. I've been pushing myself to be even better. Him, he has his friends there gassing him up. So he thinks, oh, yeah, he's already the real deal. He's living in la-la life, freaking Olympic boxing, yeah. You, you go to the Olympics just to show your face. You don't win a medal. You just go there to make up numbers. Yeah, and you think that is going to compensate for... Um, being a professional, a top professional, going 12 rounds and 10 rounds, that like he thinks he can buy that experience from what you've done in the amateurs. Whereas you've been is, out with the likes of Usyk out in the forests, yeah, out and, in the dark places, getting the sparring. Yeah, and it wasn't even it wasn't even sparring. It was it was literally fighting. It was competitive. <laughs> it was competitive. You know, certain days he would hurt me. Certain days I would hurt him, and it would be it would be like that. What's you know, Alexander what, Usyk like? Um, he's a cool guy actually. Like he just looks scary, but he's actually a very cool guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, stuff but when it's time to train, he's a stuff he of nightmares. He switches on. Sorry, he's, just, he's a stuff of nightmares. He looks like a scary guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually a cool guy. But the, the best thing about it was when I sparred Ethic. Yeah, it really, I learned so much off of him. You know, the little tricks and what he does, and he was sparring me. So we were sparring so many rounds together, and I was picking up a lot of his stuff. Like he would do something to me, and then I'll do it. The same thing he done back to him, which shows that I'm picking up a lot of his tricks. And the same thing was with Mike Perez. You know, with Mike Perez, it was more like Mike Perez. It was more competitive because I came in there thinking Mike Perez was going to be like Usyk, which is top level, and then. You know, Usyk and Mike Perez are completely different. Yeah. And then I came there and I absolutely whacked him up first day. <laughs> and I was thinking, Raj, you know what? I can, I can, I can do something. You know, because obviously I, I was thinking in my head, wow, you know, if I'm doing this to a guy that's world level, because mate, if, if you saw that spot, it was crazy. <laughs> like literally, like pass him up because he couldn't deal with my speed, and obviously he was a heavyweight getting used to the heavyweight timing and speed and because I got quick hands for a cruiserweight as well like he was just like boop, 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 boop. and then obviously after he was like man this guy bust me up man this guy, I'm going to get you tomorrow man I'm going to get you tomorrow motherfucker and did he? <laughs> he was kind of like that yeah and so did... I was like okay I got to uh, you know be on point but as the camp, as the weeks got on he started to get my timing a lot better you know he started getting we started getting a lot more used to each other and obviously when the tactics don't work we're just warring you know what I mean just going at it and obviously I'm not a guy that was just gonna go there and be a punch bag for money I'm trying to test myself against the best in the world Yeah. so if anything if if plan A or B or C doesn't go out well we're fighting like that's what it was like you know what I mean I, I can't just go there and, and let these guys because before we sparred there was the Amer- he has American trainers two, these two American trainers and he was like yeah how many fights you got and then I was like, yeah, I got eight, um, I've had eight fights. And he was like, yeah, you know, you know, he hits hard, right? You know, he hits hard. You know, you're gonna get some work, right? And in my head, I was thinking, you guys don't even know who I am, you know. <laughs> but I was just like, you know what I mean? I'm just humble and calm. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah okay, yeah. And then when I got in there, I knew I was ready for a fight. So I expected him to come crazy. And obviously, when I started tagging him, he was like, man, is that all you got, man? Is that all you got, man? And I was thinking, bro, this guy, okay. And obviously it riled me up. I was like, okay, let's go. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's the type of environments that I'm in. Like far away from home, just me and my uncle and we're, we're sparring these top level guys. Yeah. Sounds you know like what you, I mean? so, you, you feel like you take a lot from those experiences, Isaac. Oh, definitely. Because who else is willing to go out there and do that? 
Do you know what I mean? Who I'm else is doing it without the JD Sports backing from... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, For real. Like, it, I've had to do this all my own way. Like, I'm not... You know, I'm I'm not trying to do it the normal way. Go with Peter Sims or um, the other Sims brother. I forgot his name. Uh, Tony and, and Peter, then, yeah. Yeah, go to the matchroom gym and and be friends with all of the matchroom boys. And then, no, I'm just like at the end of the day, I'm the only one that's getting in that ring. So we could be friends. We couldn't be friends. I don't really care. Like I have to, you know, I'm I'm trying to make something of this game. So if I have to make it this way without, you know, kissing ass and whatever, then so be it. Do you know what I mean? Because I've seen a lot of guys go after their fight and they're going to sit next to Eddie like, hey Eddie, hey, hey, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> but that's not that's not really me. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to make it in this game no matter what. Do you know what I mean? And as long as I keep winning, because they try, I don't know, they try to throw me away with Rakenshaw when he was seven and all four yeah. knockouts when he was undefeated. Just before he fought Lopez, that. wasn't it? Um, fought, yeah, this was way, yeah uh, before he fought that, Lopez yeah. after you. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that's held then, you back? Do you think your um, the fact that you don't necessarily play by the same rules as everyone else? Do you think that's held you back? It's held me back, but boy, I don't know. But you, at the end of the day, it's made me a better um, a better athlete. It made me take the game more serious. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because if I had everything given to me, I wouldn't know what it's like to. Because obviously, Henshaw, like if you didn't know, he broke my he cracked my rib yep. in that fight. And I had difficulty breathing, like, and it was a tight fight until I knocked him out in the sixth round. Do you know what I mean? So going through fights like that where it's really like, because there was a time in that fight, yeah, like a millisecond I was thinking, Jesus, this is hard. And his head, his face was all bruised up and there was blood and it was just crazy. And I was thinking, do you know what? This is this is a real fight. And then after that fight, you know, I got thrown in with Wadi. 10 knockouts and 16 fights when when it was that that was my fifth pro fight so obviously I'm a fifth fight novice everyone thought you know this guy's why are you going to knock me out dislocated his shoulder <laughs> yeah like it's funny because I watched I used to watch Wadi in a prize fight when he won the prize fight I was about 15, 16 I was like wow look at these guys and then to actually fight him yeah it kind of felt weird like wow <laughs> I used to watch this guy on TV yeah and then now I'm fighting him. It's just crazy. Excellent. Like, and, but obviously I've done it the hard way, but I'm still on this journey. So I think, you know, it, it helped me a lot because it made me realise what, what this sport is all about. But I think you know also I mean? but, the fact that you have taken, you've turned your back on that Sims route and as you say, the kind of JD Sports uh, sponsorship. I think all of that endears you far more to boxing fans. And I'm not talking the casual ones, but the, the boxing fans that see that you're taking a different route. I think you've got their backing far more than probably any other fighter in that stable because of the yeah, fact that you them, do man. things. I love them, I love them. I love them so much, man, because without them, you know, they when when they were cheering my name and stuff while I was, you know, when in between the rounds with, like, them hard fights, it was like, it was it helped a lot because when I was fought Wadi and I dislocated my shoulder, what I was thinking while it was dislocated, I was thinking, like, I was thinking, why me? You know, I worked so hard yeah. to get here, but why, why does this have to happen? Is this some sort of Murphy's Law? If anything can go wrong, it'll go wrong. Like. <laughs> and then I thought, hold on. And then while I was holding, I was thinking, hold on, this guy ain't knocked me out yet, so I can still win. I wasn't thinking, no, I'll pull out, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll quit boxing, I'll go work in an IT sign. I, I wasn't thinking none of that. I was thinking, listen, I can still win this. 
So obviously, I was telling my uncle, listen, put put it in this way, this way, in my language. I was telling him, put it, put it in this way. Put my shoulder back official. in. <laughs> yeah. And I was telling my uncle... I mean, I was telling the officials, no, it's okay, it's okay. And the officials were like, mate, Isaac, I can see the bone sticking out. And I was like, no, but it's okay, man, it's okay. The referee was like, mate, are you are you sure you're okay? I was like, yeah, I'm calm. And then even the Jeff Hines, he was like, mate, I've never seen anything like that. Why were you so calm? You looked like you was possessed. I was like, bro, I wanted to win so bad. It's a different so bad, mentality. To the, point, to, the, to the point where I was prepared to die. Like, I know it sounds a bit cliche and die in the ring or whatever, but that night, I promised you, I was I was so prepared to die and do whatever it takes to win because, you know, the passion, I think about it every night before, I, like, training and being a champion, I think about it every day, even to this day. There's not a day that I would have gone about without shadow boxing and stuff. And if you think about it every day, there's no reason why you should give up at the first obstacle that, comes across which I thought that was the first obstacle and it was a tough obstacle but you know I said I have to get through it because I was just thinking imagine telling my little brothers and stuff that their big brother lost and stuff imagine telling them that ah uh, you know I lost a fight just living with that it's not more that I want to win it's just that I don't want to lose Yeah, it's kind of like that you know I don't want to lose I don't want to be embarrassed I don't want to you know be just a normal guy because obviously when I grew up I had nothing like literally not even a pot to piss in. Do you know what I mean? I never even had one pound for own clothes day and stuff in school and red nose day and all that crap. So I was thinking in my head, listen, why like at least I'm doing something that I love and getting paid for it. Definitely. You know what I mean? So right. why should I quit on the first hurdle? That's what I was thinking, man. So I just thought, no way, never, never, never. I can't I just, this um, can't happen to me. Hearing your story, Isaac, um, it's never been as clear and obvious to me that um, if any journey starts off the first hurdle with dislocating your shoulder, I am not cut out for a sport of boxing. <laughs> That's not a journey I, you're going to... And gonna... I never was. So <laughs> after this point, tip my hat to you in the greatest way possible because there's no way that if they said, okay, and we start off with the dislocation of the shoulder, I'd be like, yeah, um, I'd like to try... I, I don't, I'll just go for a different cue. I'll just get in a different cue, yeah, thanks. I'll try that IT. But imagine, imagine this though. If I, can, if I can get through that, yeah... What makes you think that I will be scared to fight Lawrence or I'll be like, that's that's what I don't understand. They It's because they ain't been through it. That's why they don't really understand. But, you know, what makes them think that I'll be scared to fight him? Do you know what I mean? It makes completely no sense. Like, this is, it's our nature to fight. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's our nature to fight and to fight whoever there is. Do you know what I mean? There's no sugarcoating and fighting lots of, journeymen or whatever we're, we're in here to make an impact Absolutely. and that's what i'm in it for let me throw you know two me? quick so, ones at you isaac because i think we're gonna have to yeah. wrap up so apologies it's uh, it's a fairly short one. Right. um i want to throw two quick ones at you firstly what yeah. what's the percentage likelihood you versus lawrence happens in february percentage um about 60 to 70 percent oh okay so I it's think. more yes than no yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. It de- it kind of depends what happens in December, to be honest. You know, it depends what happens in December. But um, I think my uncle's dealing with that, all of that um, part. I don't really want to get involved into that stuff. Okay. I don't really talk to Eddie, you know. My uncle talks to him more than I talk to him. I just I just come in and fight and then go. <laughs> nah, fair one. Yeah. Um, other one, I sat next to him last night down at York Court. Arthur and Iqbal, is that a fight you fancy in the future? 
Oh yeah, definitely. All of the fights, after, um, all the cruiserweights are fancy in the future because um, obviously all of them are like on my radar. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's kind, of, it's a kind of thing where, um, how can I say it? Um, if my uncle thinks it's all right, it's it's, it's basically like I'm a pick one on the leash. If my uncle says, okay, we'll fight this guy. We're going for him. It's as simple as that. So it's not about you know who I mean? you want to fight because you'll fight anyone. It's about who your uncle feels the time and is right to go and fight. Yeah, you, you, it depends. Yeah, that's basically, yeah. yeah. You know, if my Adi, uncle and Eddie devise a plan or whatever, hopefully he'll probably devise a better plan after I knock out Lawrence. Yes. And then, do you know what I mean? I don't want to hear no, because obviously you see his IFL interview, he's all talking about, ah, oh, they're very young in their careers. They can have a rematch. It's kind of like you're making excuses for Lawrence already. <laughs> So I'm I'm kind of thinking, what about me? Do you know what I mean? Forget him about we can have a rematch and they're still young in their careers. And I'm thinking, you know what I mean? But I'm going to throw this out there. You, you don't have to comment on it at all, Lawrence. Um, Lawrence? Fucking hell, no. Isaac, sorry. Mate, uh, don't ever call me Lawrence fucking again. Fucking hell, I apologize. <laughs> That's staining. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to throw this out. And the reason was... Uh, I believe 100% if you beat Lawrence, is where I was going with it, um, there will try and be a rematch by Eddie Hearn. If, I'm not saying you know there's any possibility of it, if Lawrence managed to beat you, he will not talk about a rematch. Uh, boy, you don't have to comment on that because it'll probably get you in trouble. But look, that, <laughs> it's so I think that's why every boxing fan, every true boxing fan is getting behind you because look, it's not even a case of being an underdog. It's a case of Who's the golden boy? Who's not? And who's the one that's and working? You know, who's you know working their bollocks off to get there? And it's you. Do, do, you know, do you know what's funny? He actually started all of this. You know what I mean? Lawrence actually started all of this. He used to post up pictures and stuff rapping about me <laughs> before he turned pro and and putting up his pictures on Instagram about me. You know, as if he was trying to bully me or something. And the funny thing is, he said he used to get bullied in school, but you become the person that you disliked all this time. And I just respond because I don't like to be like look. I don't like to look like I'm being bullied yeah. or being intimidated. Like that don't that don't go with me. Do you know what I mean? So, but you also never instigated, that, do you? You're not the you're not the one that starts I'm, it. No, nah, never. You're never, not going to sit down if he starts it. No, definitely not. Like, and you become the person that you used to hate so much. Do you know what I mean? So, what what is all of that? I'm just a guy that you know, sticks sticks up for himself. I should everyone stick up for themselves. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And when I knock this guy out, I'll show everyone and all boxing fans or people that don't watch boxing that you should stick up for yourself no matter what happens. We're all aboard Team Isaac for this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Hopefully in February, all being well. And I hope the injury recovers quickly, man. I hope you have a nice Christmas. You. Uh, you can now take a little bit of time off, I guess, before that. And uh, although I'm sure you won't be out of the gym too long. <laughs> There is no Christmas for me, mate. I'm no. in the caves. I'm going to be preparing like there's no tomorrow. Good man. Ted will have you back in there straight away. In that it? case, Isaac, I'll have a few beers for you, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> take a lot. <laughs> I'll take on your alcohol we'll, intake for you. We'll be thinking of you. service to the boxing industry. <laughs> <laughs> look, Isaac, all the best, man. Thank you so much for jumping on it, short yes, notice. thank you very much. Thank you, mate. And no look, problem. Thank we're going to watch you smash Glad Lawrence. We'll watch you smash Lawrence in February. Um, and yeah, all the best, man. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank you. You too. All right. Cheers, pal. Fantastic little interview there with uh, Mr. Lawrence. I mean, nice, Chamberlain. Fuck off. <laughs>
<laughs> not going to let me forget that now. <laughs> My Brilliant. sincere apologies again. Yeah. Never. When he said, never call me Lawrence again, I thought, that sounds like a threat that I don't even want to see if he'll go through with. I'll see Isaac down at York Hall in the not too distant future, I'm sure. You're getting battered, mate. Yeah, yeah. you just be like, you have to take a few seconds, train your brain not to make some fraudulent oh, mate, slip. I'm going to be a Snapchat video. Just me getting flattened <laughs> at York Hall. Yeah. Watch Theobald get filled in. <laughs> I'm going to be clickbait. <laughs> You'll never believe what happened when this <laughs> professional boxer caught up. <laughs> but thank you, Isaac, for joining us. And again, sincere apologies for uh, mixing you up name-wise. Uh, yeah, not my best moment. No, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to have him on the show. Um, and th- at this point, we are, we are wrapping up and we are leaving you, dear listener. Um, because I'm about what 23 minutes from getting in the car to go and start a night shift yeah so i need to go into the kids <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough choice can i do mm. the night shift yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so thank you very much for listening uh we will see you uh next weekend indeed and uh, a quick shout out as well whilst i'm here to uh, discount displays who've been doing uh, something special for us for our live show which uh, you'll see on the the 18th of December, uh, but it looks pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, just a mention for discount displays and uh, and the work they've done with us, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so so just to sort of uh, fill that out a little bit, uh, discount displays have, have kindly teamed up with us to produce a new age boxing banner. Um, and it's the sort of things you see, at, I don't know, uh, m- m- like press conferences and stuff like that when they have pictures up. And the quality was amazing. Um, now, admittedly, it's not an everyday item that people are going to choose, but we are aware that we have a, a wide-ranging audience. Lots and of boxers need displays and banners printed out because they get their sponsors put up on them. Go and see discount displays when you need it. Do it. Yeah. Ask for Aaron Inglethorpe, who's helped me out brilliantly with it. He's been absolutely superb. So, yeah, shout out to them. So, if we can if we can pay them back in any way and just generate something for them, then we'd be more than happy to do so. So, yeah, please give them a thought if you're ever in the market for such an item. Um and you, you, I haven't actually seen it yet. You've seen it. You said it's good it's, quality as it's well. It's four meters long as a banner. Like that's quality. There aren't that many places that I can get it out fully. Uh, bit like my penis, really. But um, <laughs> you know, people frown upon it. It's taken. <laughs> it's taken this long of the podcast for something like that to come out. Uh, um, so yeah, I guess uh, discount displays are now definitely higher up in the hierarchy in the VIP area, so to speak. More so than Cheetos, which we've given more than enough plugs to and have never, ever, ever Cheetos can jog on. on. I got an email from them saying they wouldn't send me a big tiger. Screw them. What? Screw them. Painful. Okay, uh, I am literally wasting time talking to you about inane stuff um, at this stage after our wonderful discount displays plug. Um, So, yeah, I'm wasting time that I could be getting ready for work. Take Thank care, one and all. Listening. Thank you again to Isaac. Apologies for any sound issues. Have there been any during the week? It's never ideal getting people over remotely. No, true enough. For someone like Isaac, we have to. For we Terry. Have to actually, if you, Hopefully Terry will be back in next If you're week. curious, we had to change halfway through because uh, from a internet line to a normal line, so the change of the sound, might, uh, you might have detected that. Uh, apologies. Whatever. They're probably bored by now. Yeah, all right. Don't blame them. If they've, if so they've got I. the attention I'm span bored. for you, I know, I know you are. <laughs> Right, that'll do. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Get in touch and goodbye. Bye-bye.
I'm gonna get it up, 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 I'm gonna get it up,